All right, so uh, we're going to jump into the uh, into the uh, adult version of, of that here uh, for a few different minutes. I want to just circle back on that definition. The, the definition of a commitment is simply to, to make a pledge or a promise. And I'm going to sh share a self-deprecating story. Are you ready for that? Self-deprecating story. So um, the, the, it goes like this. Um, <clears throat> I'm confessing to you. <clears throat> excuse me, that I don't always keep my promises. Um, when I was uh, living in St. Louis, Missouri, uh, that's a place that's far away from here, uh, St. Louis, Missouri, I had just gotten married, I was in seminary, and I really didn't like running very much. Those of you who know me now know that I, I like to run, I run a lot, uh, it's kind of a, a thing that sort of keeps me sane, but um, I didn't really like running just uh, even back, you know, 15 years ago when I was at seminary. And uh, for some reason, I made a commitment uh, with my wife and two of our friends to run a half marathon. That's true. I, I made a commitment, a pledge, a promise to run a half marathon. And I did the training, and I was ready to run this half marathon. And, uh, and the morning of the, uh, of, the, of the half marathon came, and when I woke up, the wind was howling and the rain was pounding against our house. Uh, my friends came to pick us up, and uh, we all shuffled into the car, and we got going. And then uh, <clears throat> we weren't quite to the, the start of the race yet, and we're still on the highway. And all of a sudden, uh, we, we are parked on the highway in this huge line of cars waiting to get to the start of the race. Um, th there was so much rain and so much wind. Uh, that, that it had backed up traffic for miles and miles. So just picture this, right? We had committed to, to, to run a half marathon, made a pledge and a promise to run a half marathon, and, and now we're sitting on the highway with the rain just pounding against the car. I mean, this is Midwestern rain, not, not this California rain. This is Midwestern rain pounding against the car, and the wind is howling so hard, it's literally shaking the car as we're sitting there. We are dead silent in the car except for the sounds of nature. And my friend, he says, yeah, yeah I'm okay if we don't run. <laughs> And I'm like, yeah, me too. And that was all we needed. We quickly got out of that line of traffic and we drove home and we did not run the half marathon. And, uh, and, and I've never signed up for a half marathon since then, even though I like to run. Um, look, this is, that, that really is not a big deal. Uh, it turns out that uh, I think it was Hurricane Ike that was blowing through St. Louis, Missouri that morning. And so it had come up from the Gulf of Mexico, and it was blowing through, literally blowing through St. Louis, Missouri that morning, on that very morning that I was going to run my one and only half marathon. And, uh, and so, so the point is, hey, uh, I'm, uh, I lack commitment. The, the thing is that sometimes, right, we make a commitment to do something. We make a pledge or a promise, and then all of a sudden the wind picks up and the rain starts pounding and we sort of lack commitment to follow through. Uh, we lack commitment to keep that pledge and that promise. Uh, not a big deal when it comes to a half marathon, but, but a big deal when it comes to our spiritual lives. So often in our spiritual lives, we make a pledge or a promise to, to be a disciple, to follow Jesus and to be changed by Jesus or to pick up some kind of spiritual practice. And then we hit a bump in the road or, or a hurdle or, or a wall, and all of a sudden we show a lack of commitment. And so what I want to do this morning is, is just walk through three examples of great commitment, great commitment that we see in Scripture. And, uh, and I think that for each story or each example of commitment, uh, we're going to be able to pull something away that's either going to be good news for us to celebrate or something that is hopefully going to be helpful. 
Um, I want to start in uh, maybe kind of an odd place for Palm Sunday, and I want to jump to the foot of the cross. This is Luke chapter 23, uh, verses 44 to 46. This is at the foot of the cross. It was now about the sixth hour, and there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour, when the, while the sun's light failed. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two. And then Jesus, calling out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. Jesus on the cross says, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Holy Week to me is just one example after another example after another example of, of, of the level of commitment that Jesus shows. Um, right here on Palm Sunday, it's like, why go into the city? Uh, Jesus knows that they want to hurt him, that they want to kill him. The disciples remind him kindly of that before he goes into the city of Jerusalem. And yet, he rides into the city of Jerusalem because he is firmly committed to God's purpose and work in him and through him. Uh, just a few days from now, um, Monday, Thursday, that night, very late at night, he's going to be in a garden, the Garden of Gethsemane, and he's going to be praying, God, if there is any other way for this to happen, can you take this cup away from me? Can you, can you show me a different way to go? But he's also going to pray, not my will, but your will be done. And Jesus is firmly committed to the purpose and the work of God the Father through him and in him. And then right here in this moment at the foot of the cross, into your hands I commit my spirit. Uh, which one of those uh, stands out most to you? Just engage with us again on Facebook or on Zoom. And let us know, uh, Palm Sunday in the garden or right here at the cross, which one stands out most to you as far as a level of commitment goes? Uh, just see this. Um, uh, Jesus uses this intimate term here. He says, Father. Um, uh, that means that there's a special bond, a special relationship between this man on the cross and the God in heaven. Father, into your hands. These are the hands that, that hold all things together. Uh, these are the hands that formed Adam and Eve from the dust in the Garden of Eden. That these are the hands that are huge, big, powerful hands that have done miraculous works throughout history. Jesus says, Father, into your hands I commit. Uh, to commit is to entrust, uh, to surrender, um, to, to bow to you and whatever you desire for me in this moment. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. The, the word is breath. Uh, I commit my spirit, my life, my work, my purpose. Everything that I've done, I, I put it in your hands, Father. And then consider all the incredible things that happen in this very moment when Jesus is saying, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit, and then he breathes his last. Um, the Gospel of Matthew tells us about a couple of miraculous things that happen. Uh, Luke tells us about two. He says, first of all, the sun's light failed. This is not like, oh, a dark cloud came over. He says the sun's light failed, right? This is a miraculous event. This is a miraculous moment that happens. Um, he also says that the temple curtain was torn in two. And that's what I really want you to see here in this moment uh, from this first example of commitment. 
Uh, that temple curtain was a big deal, right? They didn't have access like this to, to get to the altar of God. Um, uh, there would have been a big curtain, probably right where I'm standing, and only select people would be able to get to the altar, get into the presence, uh, get nearest to God, um, and only if they followed certain rituals and routines. So, so just see this. Um, in, in the temple, that curtain was probably about that thick, and it was taller than this building. And, and, and it says that it was ripped in two from top to bottom as a way of, of illustrating and demonstrating that the separation between us and God was over. Because of the commitment of Jesus, we know and we can be certain that we have a God who is firmly, firmly committed to you. He'll never forget you. He'll never leave you. He always welcomes you into his presence. So, so the first thing to see here is not, oh, you should be as committed as Jesus. <laughs> uh, I think we want to continue to be like Jesus and be changed by Jesus. But, but the first thing that we want to do is just celebrate that we have a Jesus who is firmly committed to the purpose and the work of, G of God the Father through him and in him. And because Jesus is committed, we know that God is committed to us. Now, the second example of, of commitment is right here on Palm Sunday, and, and, and I love this. Uh, the, the disciples show a commitment to do whatever Jesus tells them to do. Uh, Jesus, it's sort of a subtle thing if you think about it, uh, but, but Jesus says, hey, go and find a donkey, untie it, and bring it to me. And they actually do it. They actually do what Jesus says. I never really thought about this uh, as much as I have this week. Um, they, they trust Jesus, and they are committed to doing whatever he says. However, um, that doesn't mean that these guys are superhuman disciples. I think sometimes we sort of think that, right? Like, oh, these guys are the disciples, the apostles, right? So they're, they're superhuman. Uh, I think it, it's kind of interesting to consider these guys had, had questions, and they had doubts, and they had uncertainty in their own hearts. And so I want to play a video for you that, uh, that just kind of dramatically, this is making some assumptions. We're going outside of the Bible, but, uh, but, but it's kind of interesting to just think about the wrestling that would have been happening in these guys' hearts when Jesus says, hey, go find a donkey, untie it, and bring it to me. Let's watch that video now. This is a no-brainer. We do exactly what Jesus said. We go into town, we find the donkey with its coat. I just don't understand it. why Jesus wants us to commit a crime. He wants us to steal a donkey. No, no, not steal, borrow. Oh, so we're just supposed to stroll into town, untie the donkey and... And say exactly what he said to say. What is it? Oh, that the Lord has need of it? Yes, and we'll return it. What does that even mean, the Lord has need of it? It's self-explanatory. Why are you being so, so... So, so, so me? Because you all know that I'm the rule follower of the bunch. I just don't know why Jesus just didn't ask Peter to do this. Yeah, I'm thinking the same thing. This is so up Peter's alley. Steal the donkey, cause an uproar, that's his thing. Peter is the reason why banks chain their pens. Oh, I just don't want to go to jail. You know I hate one-ply toilet paper. I... Lower your voice. Look, we're just going to do what Jesus says. What's the worst that can happen? Oh, what's the worst that can happen? What's the worst that can happen? I don't know, a cracked rib, a busted lip, the kind of name-calling that'll put you in therapy years down the road? Stop it! Stop whining! Stop talking! Stop everything! Stop freaking out! Um, I, I, I don't mean to be judgy here, but someone needs to get the log out of their own eye. 
You have trust issues. Serious trust issues. You even know how many germs are in a jail cell, do you? No, 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 I don't, I don't. I'm sure it's a whole lot, okay? I don't know. And I don't know why Jesus wants us to get a donkey, and I don't know why people are gathering branches over here and lining the streets, but it just seems like there's something big is about to happen. Wait a minute. Yeah. Go back. Why did you say I had trust issues? Okay. Okay, let's make it about you. What? Think about it. Since we've been following him, we've seen him give sight to the blind. He's healed people with leprosy. He's raised people from the dead. From the dead? I can't even raise you from a nap. Hey, I think we can trust him with this donkey issue. It just did. I have trust issues. I see how Jesus trusts the Father. He trusts so much, even more than the ground that I'm standing on. To trust someone like that, I, I, I just can't even imagine. Yeah, yeah. But if you're going to trust someone, that's him, right? Oh. Okay, all right, let's do it. We got this. Right. You first. Baby steps. Hey, when we get there and we grab said donkey, maybe I really should leave like a Benjamin. No. A 20 spot? No. A thank you card. Stop it. All right, I'll trust him. I just love that video because it just really draws out the humanity of the disciples, right? They're not superhuman disciples. They're just regular people like me and you trying to follow and be changed by Jesus. And, and they struggle with commitment to follow and do exactly what Jesus says. Some of the things that were on their hearts, right? Hey, stealing is a sin. Like, hey, that's not appropriate, right? There's, there's consequences and punishments in almost every land and in almost every age if you steal stuff. Um, another thing that might have been on their hearts, they might have been asking that question, why? Why does Jesus need a donkey? I mean, think about this. Uh, Jesus is about 33 years old, and usually people would always go into the city of Jerusalem for, for Passover. And, and so Jesus has probably gone into the city about 33 times. Guess how many times he rode a donkey? Not once. He walked every single time. So why does he need a donkey this year? What is he up to? And then, of course, there's the fear, right? The fear, not of punishment, but just of failure. Like, hey, what if this doesn't work? <laughs> what if they get confronted and they say the magical password, the Lord needs it, and the owner of the donkey's like, yeah, no, sorry, that's my donkey. Like, what if it doesn't work, right? There, there must have been a fear in their hearts over that. But, but so I love the wrestling that was probably in the hearts of the disciples, and yet Jesus says, go find a donkey, untie it, bring it to me, and they do. It challenges me to be committed to doing whatever Jesus says. It challenges me to, to be committed in the little things and not just in the big things. Uh, go and say hello to your neighbor. Go and do something with your family. Uh, go and give your money to this. Uh, go and, and have this difficult conversation. 
Uh, the example of the disciples here challenges me to be committed to doing whatever Jesus desires with every moment, big or small. So the first thing that we do is we celebrate uh, that Jesus was firmly committed, and so we have a God that's firmly committed to us. Uh, the second thing we do is we see the challenge of, of what it looks like to be committed in the big and the small. And then the third thing we want to do is, uh, is, is turn to the third commitment, which is in Psalm 31. This is a beautiful psalm, and I'd encourage you to go and read it, study it more on your own. I want to draw out just two phrases from Psalm 31, and, and these two phrases, I think, are just huge, incredible gifts to us from David. The first one goes like this, in you, O Lord, do I trust. It's the very first line of the psalm, and I want to just talk to you about it in a moment, but would you just repeat that after me? Say, in you, O Lord, do I trust? Let's do it again. In you, O Lord, do I trust? Yeah, the second one is like this. Into your hand, I commit my spirit. Yeah, Jesus is quoting Psalm 31 from the cross. Uh, let's say it again. Into your hand, I commit my spirit. I want to just look at that first one. The opening line of Psalm chapter 31 is a statement of commitment from King David. It's a commitment to trust in God in really difficult circumstances. Uh, the actual line that we read earlier was, uh, in you, O Lord, do I take refuge? Uh, the line says, do I take refuge? Uh, and, and that's a fine way to say it, but honestly, uh, if you drill down on that word for refuge, every other place that that occurs in the Old Testament, guess how it's translated? trust. In you, O oh Lord, do I trust. That's what he's saying. He's saying, Lord, I trust in you to protect me. I trust in you for safety. I trust in you to help me. In you, O oh Lord, do I trust. Uh, the second phrase we've already considered from the mouth of Jesus, into your hand I commit my spirit. But, but two quick comments just kind of enhance that phrase for us even more uh, than, than being at the foot of the cross. Um, uh, first of all is the context, what's going on in David's life in this moment. There's an awful lot of stuff going on in David's life in this particular moment, and, and almost none of it is good. He, he is living... Uh, in, a, in a time that's kind of like the gut-wrenching time of life. Uh, people are laying traps for him. Uh, worldly circumstances are distressing him. Uh, 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 there are troubles that are pressing in on him and, and, and kind of suffocating him almost. Um, he's living in that kind of life moment where, where you are sick to your stomach, uh, where you can't sleep at night, where, where pretty much all you can think about is the problem and how horrible it is. Now, the second thing to pay attention to is the, uh, is the second half of the verse. Uh, Jesus doesn't quote the second half of the verse from the psalm, uh, from the cross, but, but it, the actual verse goes like this. Into your hand I commit my spirit. You have redeemed me, O Lord, faithful God. That's Psalm 31, verse 5. Now, just see that. He says, you have redeemed me, past tense. Uh, David is very much in the middle of difficulty, in the middle of trouble, in the middle of, of hard, distressing moments. And yet he says, past tense, you have redeemed me. Into your hand I commit my spirit. You have redeemed me, O Lord, faithful God. David is saying, hey, you, I, I trust in you because you have saved me before. And, and I trust that you will save me again. 
I just look at this as an incredible gift from David to us. Um, he says, in you, O Lord, do I trust. Into your hand I commit my spirit. Uh, these are two phrases that, that maybe in the toughest moments of life, when we, are, when we are struggling to stay committed as disciples, uh, when we are filled with questions and fears and doubts, maybe we could just say these two phrases and it would recenter our hearts, it would refocus our minds, and it would allow us to recommit to what Jesus wants. And so for me, I just see these as two incredible gifts that David plops in our lap. Would you just repeat them after me again? In you, O Lord, do I trust. Into your hand, I commit my spirit. Now for me, sometimes I get into a place where I don't even have words. Right? Life is so confusing and so complex. I don't even have words to say. I don't know how to, how to label or how to move back towards Jesus. And so, so it's helpful to have phrases like this that help me move from, from unbelief to belief, that help me move from, from questions to certainty, that help me to move from, uh, from, from fears to peace. And these two phrases can be helpful in doing that. So uh, today we want to celebrate the commitment of Jesus, which means that we have a God who's firmly committed to us. And we want to we, we hear the challenge to stay committed in the big and the little things. And we also want to call out these two phrases that allow us to recommit to who God is and what he desires for us. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we celebrate who you are, all that you have done, and your level of commitment. Uh, we are sorry for the times that we struggle to, uh, to trust in you, for the times that we struggle to stay committed, um, when we give in to fears and doubts and questions, and we begin to wander off. Would you please forgive us for those times? And we thank you for the gift of these two phrases. Uh, that we can come back and say once again, into your hands I commit my spirit. In you, O oh Lord, do I trust. We can come back and we can say those things, we can declare them, and you'll hear and respond. And so we thank you for who you are. We thank you for challenging our hearts. And we thank you for, for giving us some helpful gifts that will allow us to come back to you. And we know, since that temple curtain was torn, You'll always receive us with open arms. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.